Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Nine Bob Note. I'm Paul Isles Rush. I'm Ken Moss, and I'm Simon Exton. That's right. We're we're continuing a trilogy of guest slots. So welcome yep, back, I've Simon. Snuck in the back door. He just can't help himself. <laughs> the <laughs> tone. We thought we'd lowered it, but it, it can go even lower. Oh, is that a challenge? Mm. <laughs> it's your choice tonight. It is, and I thought we can't have Simon here on the show without having a discussion about a subject very close to all of our hearts. Eurovision. Oh God. Right, and it had to happen sooner or later. You two, shower of bitches, you back me into a corner. Go on, let's let's talk about Eurovision. God, you claim that you you don't like Eurovision, and yet you have a encyclopedic knowledge of it. But yeah, it's something that is particularly loved in the gay community. I would I would say, which I guess is why Ken is such a fan. <laughs> As an honorary gay. I've always meant to ask this, because I'm sure we have discussed it before, probably pissed, but why is Eurovision so popular with the gay community? I, I don't... Explain it to me. Campus folk. The camp, the campness, yeah. It's one of those things where people take it very seriously, but it's at its best when it doesn't take itself seriously. And it is, it's the the costumes and some of the songs and... So things like Virka Sadushka. Yes, who should have won? But. You're entering a realm that I don't know anything about. The last time I saw Eurovision, I think it was Gina G. <laughs> but they wrote a whole song for you. <sighs> One of our Eurovision entries, Flying the Flag. Scooch? Oh, God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God, there's stuff in my head that shouldn't be there. Um, I think we can all agree on this. <laughs> I, the one thing I, I did like, I remember when uh, Terry Wogan gave up and Graham Norton came in, who was a blindingly obvious choice to replace him, really. I remember a picture they did of him on the front cover of the Radio Times in a sort of pinstripe suit and bowler hat and an umbrella and a, a union. I think they had him in a union flag bowler hat as the new British face of Eurovision. I take it he still does it, does he? Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what a perfect choice. He is very, he is very good. Uh, well, surely he's not he, British, but... <laughs> well, well, no, well, no but it doesn't... It, surely, if you're going to get somebody that's, that's going to present something like Eurovision, you want Graham Norton. Mm. Terry Wogan wasn't either. He was... Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> no. But the logical success of Terry Wogan, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I th- isn't it Scott Mills who does the semi-finals now? Yes. Yeah. So they're maxing out the gay. Yeah. <laughs> Why is Scott Mills gay? Yes. Yes. I don't know. He's the Radio 1 guy, yes. Yes. Yeah, Radio 1 and me don't get on very much anymore. It's just, God, I sound ancient. Right, anyway, convert me then. Why should I watch Eurovision? Which I've always viewed as a popularity contest around the world. Well, there is an element to that. And I know that there's a fairly sizable and often porcine chunk of the internet <laughs> um, that's saying that we should never go into it because Europe will always vote against us because they hate us. And there are really two answers to that. Well, first answer is fuck off. But there are two more considered answers to that. Firstly, we have spent the last five years telling Europe in no uncertain terms we want nothing to do with them and to fuck off. It's not a big surprise that we're not their favourite country. But, and much more importantly, we haven't fielded an, an entry that has deserved to win for years. This is true. 
I will bow to your musical judgment um, on what, this. What has there been since Katrina and the Waves that was halfway decent? Because I can only think of two. Yeah, it's just they're instantly forgettable. The problem is with our entries is we try and put forward songs because they, they, they sort of try and bring forward people, you know, unknown people or up and coming people. Or to, people right at the very tail end of their career. Bonnie, uh, yeah. I didn't say Bonnie Langford, no. But, uh, Bonnie, oh. Bonnie Tyler, Eng- Engelbert Humperdinck. Yeah. Blue. <laughs> Desperately trying to claw back the few tiniest fragments of a career. and that Blue entered Eurovision. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> they didn't win. <laughs> or it's unknowns. Yeah. And unknowns who pretty much recognise they're not going to get any kind of career otherwise. Yeah. That's, it's the 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. And for most of them, 15, that 15 minutes is about all they deserve. <laughs> The, only, the ones I feel sorry for, actually, I think we have touched on this before, is Gemini. I do remember that, where they played their song at the wrong speed. Uh, yeah. And because if you watch their rehearsal tapes, they're actually pretty good. Not good enough to win, but pretty good. Mm. You watch their actual performance, it was dreadful. They weren't offered a redo, but they were, they were told that they should have had a redo. A couple of days later. Oh, that must have been a great comfort. Yeah. <laughs> well, quite. Because it was pure technical problems. That, and that was the first time we scored null point. Bless us. But the the other countries that do well... Take in it the, massively they, seriously. They take it Scandinavia, seriously. it is a huge, huge deal. And they put forward big names. The seriousness coming from... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the big difference between the, the UK and mainland Europe in terms of Eurovision is that the UK regards it as a joke and doesn't take it particularly seriously. And lots of people in, in Europe take it very seriously, which is why you get a better calibre of song coming from countries like Sweden, Holland, Denmark, Norway. I'm surprised that the British Eurovision board, whatever they are, don't take it more seriously. Surely there's a great commercial value to this, really. But if they ploughed the time and effort into it. A lot of the commercial thing is in pointing and laughing in this country. It's not taken particularly seriously. They, uh, I have no doubt that whoever they get representing does their level best, but it's silk purses and sow's ears. Mm. Yeah. Um, if there were the, the national pride in the entries into Eurovision that there is in, say, the Scandinavian countries or the Balkan countries, where rather than it being a yearly joke and point and laugh it's actually taken seriously as a competition. Now, part of that competition is camp and ridiculous gimmicks. So you've got things like the uh, the Polish entry with the butter churns and the... <laughs> Google it, you'll enjoy that bit. Um, oh, my God. Or they get the Russian singing grandmothers or the Australian one where she was bouncing around on a great long pole. All, the, all these ridiculous gimmicks are part and parcel of Eurovision. But they're part and parcel of Eurovision that are taken quite seriously by the people who are designing them and and coming up with the, the concepts of a visual performance as well as a song. Yeah. So, so they might be seen as something silly or, you know, something a, a bit novelty, but that's deliberately manufactured because that's what people who watch Eurovision enjoy seeing and enjoy being part of. If you just had... I don't know how many people are in the final, how many countries are in the final, but if you just... Uh, it's 30-odd, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, 26, 28, something like that. Yeah. And if you just had... I know there are over 50 countries that are eligible yeah, to, um, to enter. To enter because 
The eligibility criteria is anybody on mainland Europe or who has a border with the Mediterranean, which is why countries like Israel and mm. Morocco have been able to enter. And Australia is a complete fudging um, <laughs> because they wanted to get involved and paid a lot of money to get involved. <laughs> yeah. And the, the rationale is that the TV station that it's broadcast on in Australia is a European-owned TV station, and therefore it can count part as part of the Eurovision family. But realistically, they've paid a fuck ton of money. Yeah. Well, the Queen is Queen of Australia as well, so... Yeah. They, they must be so proud. <laughs> they actually quite like the royals over there. So, gentlemen, it's time to decide, feather or not, Eurovision is a really serious thing. I think... it. I, I mean, I don't think serious is the word. <laughs> is the word, but... I enjoy a lot of the LGBT community, particularly the G, I would say, (laughs) focus on the G, enjoy watching it, enjoy the build-up. I have got some Twitter friends who, as soon as May arrives, are just non-stop talk about Eurovision. And it's it's a really big thing, and it's something fun to watch. And yeah, if you sort of ignore the political... Political argument, and if we started to take it a bit more seriously, I think we do, mm. we do better. Um, so yeah, for uh, because this, it's that time of year, I'm gonna say four feather poets. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, largely because uh, I know that it'll annoy you. Um, this is for me personally. It's a one. I just don't like it. It's <laughs> just I just can't. It, there's nothing about it that would tempt me to spend three or four hours on a Saturday night watching other countries in a popularity contest. But it is much more than just a popularity contest. Um, You know, I've got friends who try and get to the competition every year who have made friends and links with people in other countries. The whole idea behind Eurovision back in the 1950s was to to be inclusive and break down borders Mm. uh, and and, and, and heal some of the damage of the war. And I think it does that really well. Now, okay, it might be a a small section of the the population of each country who take it that seriously. But for that section, it is a very serious thing. And I think just because you don't like a particular thing. Well, I was going to come on to it. Um, I personally, for me personally, it's a one. But I do recognize the the wider implications. I was going to give it a three. Because I do recognise that what it was set up for, a bit like the European Union, what it the the idea for setting it up was a very laudable one. What it became was it's something marvellous. No, those are the European countries that are marvellous, not the EU. So, yes, we'll save that for a Brexit episode. Another, another Brexit um, episode coming up. Yeah, and it's kind of a, a wider question about that. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm glad you upped your bows. <laughs> because just saying this isn't for me, therefore it isn't important, mm. is a very non-inclusional yes, stance I, to take. If, if I'd have been allowed to finish Dr. Exton, <laughs> I would have... Don't just assume that just You were the I, one that said one. I did, for me personally. What would you give it then? Four. Four out of that. Yeah, or, or do I give it a five? Because it's just Ooh. terribly important. And this is me personally we're talking about. <laughs> no, it's a four. It is fluff, but it's really good and well done fluff that people enjoy and we kind of need that true um i was gonna say we need that just a moment i think we need that full stop i think people should have joy in their lives and eurovision brings joy to millions of people's lives this is an important thing yeah so it's time for screening queens (laughs) 
Paul, what are you going to recommend that we watch Eurovision-wise? Well, it's going to have to be Eurovision. I mean, I, I would recommend, Ken, um, that you go back and watch as many old Eurovision oh, no, as possible. <laughs> oh, sorry, I've got the... Um a couple of DVDs with the 51st winners of the uh, of the competition. Oh, there we go. It, it, it's That's only about three hours. Start. It'll be fine. Yeah, we can. Start the time will fly by. Some of the 1915 ones are dreadful. <laughs> there was one thing which is worth looking up at on on um, YouTube, and it was a few years ago. Uh, the the sort of heart, the interval act of Eurovision, and it was a song that was put together, and it was like a parody of. All the Eurovision. Oh, peace, song. peace, love, love. Yes, oh. and and it was so well done, and it was you know they were obviously very self-referential, but it was very funny, but at the same time very respectful, and yeah, I think and, and it was just it's just really really good. So yeah, and if it wasn't for Eurovision, you wouldn't have the popularity of Riverdance. Ah. <laughs> Do I have permission to play us out to my lovely horse? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, no, you don't. Oh, well. We'll play out with a bit of piff puff pop from the... From the high From life. the high life. But yes, and thank you, Simon, for coming along. Thanks, Ken, for putting up with the <laughs> Eurovision chat. And we'll see you next time on Nine Bob Note. Thank you and goodbye. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Piff puff pop. Piff puff pop. From my head down to my feet I don't know what's going on down below My organs aren't responding in a way that I know featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.